Welcome to Roadhouse Minute, the podcast where we review the best bad movie of all time, Roadhouse, one minute at a time, and where we always try to be nice until it's time not to be nice. I'm Roger. Hi, Marcy. And we're joined for one last time this week by David T. Smith, uh, whose best claim to fame, obviously, is coming up with the podcast art for this podcast. But he's also done many other things. Um, he's the host of Top Secret Minute, Airplane Minute, Office Space Minute, Sequel Harder, lots of other things you can find over at neozaz.com. How are you doing, David? Uh, I got a problem. My dog won't hunt. Can you tell me about that? <laughs> <laughs> this, this minute, we get so many... So Wade is sort of like Emmett in the sense that he's full of folksy charm, but in this minute, he definitely turns, he turns on his like super intense mode mm-hmm. and I'm looking forward to it for sure. So this is minute 75 of Roadhouse. Uh, this minute starts with Wade reminding Dalton that he's a long way from Memphis, from Memphis and it ends with Doc returning to a very tense conversation. And we're going to have a very, uh, well, we're not going to have a very tense conversation. We're going to talk about a very tense conversation for most of this minute. Where would you all like to start? Where would you like to start, Marcy? Well, I mean, as we ended off the last minute, we could really tell in Patrick Swayze's body language that he's gone into a dark place. It's just as soon as Doc left the room. And, um, you know, I think he's, he's kind of prepped into this conversation with his friend about how he's feeling about getting a new woman in his life when he hasn't really had closure on how he feels about the last woman who betrayed him. And then he had to kill a man because of her. It feels like they've had this conversation a lot of times. Do you think so? Well, I mean, I'm just guessing from the fact that, you know, one of the things that Wade says in this minute is that dog won't hunt. Uh, it seems like, uh, you know, Dalton says Memphis, ha- Memphis has nothing to do with it. Uh, it just, I just get the sense that that Dalton has been has has done this act with Wade before, and that Wade is just like not willing to put up with it ever. I don't feel like they've had this conversation many times before. I feel like there's been a long gap between the times that these two people have been together, and that a big chunk of that gap has been the aftermath of this situation happening. What do you think about this, David? Um, I, I don't know. I get the sense. I, I don't know. This is sort of fantasy, but I, I, I would love it if like this movie replays itself over and like Dalton gets hired. He goes to a town. He cleans up a bar. He fights the local warlord. He gets in love, falls in love with a girl. Wade comes and helps him out. They move to the next town and repeat the cycle. over, and over <laughs> <again>. <laughs> It's like groundhog day for throat. Ripping. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> now, you know, is the guy that he killed in this story in Memphis, is that the one that they talk about later that he ripped his throat out? I think we are led to believe that. What do you think, okay. Marcy? I think that's his go-to kill move. Right. So <laughs> because, I'm thinking like... I mean, like, he does it to... What's his face? Jimmy. Yeah. Jimmy near the water, and then he almost does it <laughs> again to Brad Wesley. You could see it at the end. He's, like, vibrating with, like... I want to kill you with my bare hand again. He seems to only be willing to engage in unarmed combat. So I'm just assuming like Mm. the only thing he can kill somebody with is, is his bare hands. And frankly, that's probably one of the few ways that you could do that easily and quickly. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I, so it's like, how many jealous husbands has he had to do that to? Right? <laughs> that, that, it's interesting. So do you think, do you think that what happened in Memphis for Dalton is the only time he's ever killed somebody? Or do you feel like he's got, uh, he's got more than one. He's got, do you feel like he's got a lot of red in his ledger or is Memphis a one-time deal for him? Now, given this conversation, I think it's the only one because it's weighing on him very hard and Wade wants to let him know that it wasn't his fault. So I think if if he did that more than once, that would come up in this conversation. Yeah, I think that's true. What do you think, Marcy? Well, I mean, this seems like it was self-defense here. And a lot of times he's in a self-defensive mode, but I don't feel like he's a killer as a bouncer. I think that would be a bad professional move (laughs) so no i don't i don't think he's ever killed somebody at work yeah and i feel like most of the conflict he's going to encounter is at work yeah i think that's right and maybe this guy attacked him at work like maybe like how does he know this woman how has he had a relationship with a woman where he's like in love with her what kind of time have they been able, able to have together? She's probably coming to the bar where he's working. Maybe she also works at the bar. And so then he comes and, you know, confronts him as the jealous husband. And, you know, all this ensues in one of the bars that he was working at. This is, wow, that's some amazing world building you just did, Marcy. That is some great, you should definitely put that into your Roadhouse fan fiction that you're working oh, on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, I feel like if I was going to picture the the scenario, I feel like maybe Dalton and this other woman were discovered in flagrante. They were discovered together by the husband. And where would, where, would that? Where, though? Yeah, because if it's at their house then it's clear it would be obvious that she has a husband right yeah uh that's a good point you yeah. can't you can't like bring I mean, your the man you're cheating on back to your home no you're right it it does seem like it would make more sense that this jealous husband would be hunting dalton down yeah so either at the bar or at dalton's place probably so where are they going to have the time to develop a relationship and have this relationship be meaningful enough to Dalton that he's still wrapped up in what it meant to him. I just hope if she worked at the bar that she was a better catch than Carrie Ann. (laughs) So, uh, Marcy, uh, do you get the sense from this scene that he's, he misses her as a relationship or he just regrets having to kill the guy? Oh, interesting. I think that it's, I think it's more that he misses her in the mm. relationship. I think and it's more that he's tormented by he's what he did. He's upset about having to kill somebody. Yeah, how, you're probably right. How long do you think he and this other woman were together? That's, That's question, a great cause... question. Because if it's more about having to kill somebody, I think maybe the relationship was very short. I think and, their relationship was measured in days or weeks. And like, maybe you're right. Maybe this is more of a pickup. Like she came to the bar one night and picked him up. And then he was, you know, they were fooling around with each other that same night. And then, oh, the husband was there and came over and tried to kill him. Right. Yeah. I mean, cause well, that's couple interesting. Things. So we know that Dalton doesn't seem to stay in any place for very long. 
like as soon as the job's done, he walks. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think for the couple of days it took for them to maybe get hooked up together, I'm going to say they probably had sex maybe one time and then as soon as the husband found out about it, he just went on the warpath and then all hell broke loose. Yeah. I think that makes more sense. You know, part of the thing with um with Doc that I've been sensing is that he's kind of holding himself back a little bit. And I always thought it was more that he didn't want to fall in love with her and have his heart broken, but maybe it's more like he just doesn't want to have to kill another man. (laughs) I mean, just in case a little from column A, a little from column B, right? (laughs) Just in case she's not, you know, saying, Oh, and by the way, yeah, I'm, I'm actually Brad Wesley's wife. <laughs> well, you you remember how kind of how he froze up when Cody told him that Brad Wesley yeah. had, used to have a thing for Doc. Yeah, there's definitely a reaction there. He wanted somebody a little bit less complicated. I really enjoy Wade in this minute. Uh, I, I mean, the I, I think I think Sam Elliott does a really nice job of sort of setting the right tone in this minute that like he's very much kind of in a, in a dad role in this minute. I I like the fact that he, you know, he's willing to call Dalton on his BS, you know, he's like, you know what, that's, that dog won't hunt. Um, but he's, I mean, he's, you can tell that he has a lot of like compassion for Dalton in the way that he says the rest of the stuff that he says in this minute. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And he gets very rated R doing it too. Yeah, I'll get to that in a minute. He he does so he's got that whole little snippet too where he and I think this is kind of amusing where he says like, you know, I thought you'd be more philosophical, which is a, a nice callback to, you know, Dalton and and what he was what he was studying in college. But then he like he changes tone immediately and he's like, you know, cut that, you know what, loose. Mm, yeah. So there's some good some good tone shifting that I feel like gets Dalton's attention but in not in sort of like too much of like a judgmental sort of way. Do you think it works? I don't know. So the look on Dalton's face and how he's just kind of like looking down and um, you could just tell he's just really struggling with this. And even though Wade is trying to support him and be there for him and tell him like he needs to move on, like he just, he hasn't been able to let it go. I don't think that, I don't think that telling someone that they need to stop wrestling with their demons is a good way to actually get them to let go of their demons. Mm. What do you think Wade should be doing with him? I don't know. I I don't know that there's anything he could say. I think this is stuff that Dalton just kind of has to process. Do you remember in Outlander when Jamie, (laughs) Jamie is wrestling with his demons of having been abused by blackjack Randall and in order to bring him out, Claire, Claire gets the oil of lavender. And... <laughs> finish the story. Tell my girlfriend that you pulled out an Outlander reference. Fin- finish, finish the story, Marcy, because David and I are just going to stare at you for three seconds in stone cold silence. Fin- finish the sentence, anyway, please. Was... You're, our, you're our Outlander correspondent. It's a different technique right there. Like she, he, she like brings Jamie right back into the abuse that he was undertaking by Blackjack Randall would in you, order to bring him back to life. Would you, so you're saying that Wade should have brought his oil of lavender with him? <laughs> Maybe. 
Oh, you know, he never leaves home without it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't, uh, again, I'm not a trained psychotherapist, uh, but I do remember. So Marcy, do you, David, do you ever, you ever watched the West wing? Uh, yeah. A while ago. Okay. So Marcy, do you remember like the crux? So spoilers for seasons one and two of the West Wing. Oh my God. <laughs> um, so at the end of the season one of the West Wing, one of the main characters gets shot. And basically we spend the first half of season two with that character dealing with their PTSD. We get to an episode where this character basically has to see a trauma therapist. And essentially what the therapist tells him at the end is like, you know, it's not about trying to relive it. We just need you to describe how you're feeling about what happened, and then you'll be fine. All right. Uh, I, just one minor thing about sort of the dialogue in this minute, which I think, David, were you referring before? So Wade comes really close to using the four-letter C word in this minute. He does. <laughs> um, and so my question for the two of you is, do we feel like the way that that dialogue was filmed was an intentional choice, or do we feel like he said it and then they had to cut it out to get the rating that they wanted for this movie. I think it's very intentional. I think I'm not sure what it says, but it says something that he Wade was going to say the word, but he caught himself like, cause he didn't want to hurt Dalton's feelings or something by really insulting her. Well, that makes me think that this was a bigger relationship than a one night stand. I mean, yeah. like why would he really care if it was just like, that he met this woman and started having sex with her, which I don't think is Dalton's move, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I think it's Wade's move. Like, he seems to be all right with that. But, like... Maybe it was Dalton's move five years ago, but he's learned better. But why would why would Wade be sensitive to calling her a C-word, then? That's a good point. Yeah, I think I think that makes sense. I think you're right about that. I think that's some good good analysis there. I think Patrick Swayze does a great job in this minute too. You know, he doesn't have a lot of lines, but I think his his face acting in this minute is great. Yeah. He does a great job. I think he looks he looks very young and like a little boy in some of it where he's I, just kind of looking down. I wrote that in my notes too. This this whole scene kind of plays like a, a boy who's who has to have sort of a conversation he knows is going to be upsetting with his dad. Yeah. What else? Certainly there's some for there's some foreshadowing here. You know, I don't think it's an accident that that uh, Wade talks about a man sticking a gun in his face. Cuz that's that is the that is the inciting action that leads to the throat rip heard around the world with Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely intentional in the dialogue to to set that up for sure. I don't have too much else about the conversation between Wade and Dalton before Doc comes back. Does anybody have anything else about that uh, that dialogue? I don't. Not really. The only thing is, one last comment is that when he says, you know, when a man puts a gun in your face, you either die or you kill him, it, it feels like a, a Tarantino line and not one of the better ones, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. It, 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 yeah, it, it sort of is tonally different from most of the rest of the dialogue in this movie, isn't it? Yeah. But maybe not that different from like Wade's particular dialogue. Like I, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about the scene, you know, in the barn. Do you remember later in the movie where like 
Wade is trying to convince Dalton that it's he's it's time for the two of them to leave town. Mm-hmm. He's got the same sort of uh, what's how would we describe it? It, it? The same sort of overly dramatic and apocalyptic dialogue in that scene too. I looked in the script for this movie. You know, we've been working off the shooting script for Roadhouse. This scene is nowhere in the movie in the script. Hmm. Well, like the whole diner scene, the whole with the dancing and everything. The dancing is this whole conversation about Memphis doesn't uh, appear in the script at all. Oh, well, they clearly needed us to, to give us a little backstory here because otherwise we would have been a little bit clueless. Do you all feel like this scene was sort of like a a reshoot afterwards, or do you think they had always intended on putting this in the movie? I have no it's a idea. good question. It's hard to tell. I mean, it doesn't look obviously like it was a reshoot or a pickup. Yeah, because they're back in the same place. Yeah. And, sure. you know, movie making is very fluid. <laughs> um, I can see that either on the day they were going to shoot the diner dancing scene, they thought, oh, hey, I'm thinking about it and we really need to put in this little backstory thing or foreshadowing mm-hmm. about the gun or whatever. Or it just would have been in a, uh, yeah, I don't know. But you so you said the shooting script, huh? Well, we have a script. There's a lots script. of things about it that are different. Yeah. Uh, like you've probably heard in some other uh, movies, podcasts that have a copy of the script. Uh, I think Marcy and I have generally agreed that nothing, most, uh, almost all of the changes uh, between what's in the script and what ends up on film are better off for the movie. Mm. Is that fair, Marcy? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Some of the things that you've described are in the script are just terrible. <laughs> Completely. Dumb. <laughs> so so Doc has some pretty bad timing. Um, she just sort of arrives and <laughs> I don't know, like she she seems to arrive at sort of the worst possible time mm. for this conversation. And I I don't know, in my notes, she seems to really not notice at all that these two guys are having this incredibly intense conversation. Well, why would she expect that? I mean, she's just gone to the bathroom and then she was having a good time when she left and she was just, you know, enjoying herself and coming right back. And who knew that they were talking about killing people, you know, I guess she's not really picking up a whole lot on their body language then. Yeah. And she, she's not seeing the close-up on Wade's face like we are. <laughs> no, she's not. Or Dalton's face. Yeah. Well, she can't see Dalton's face. He's to her back. That is true. That is true. I mean, she has this sort of kind of uh, throwaway one-liner that I think it, she's she's thinking is going to maybe sort of diffuse the situation, but it really doesn't doesn't work. She's like I think a bubble it's... of sunshine right here. <laughs> um, I think it's funny because it, it just reminded me of... This, I do the same thing if I'm like at a party or something and I want to leave, but I don't want to just like interrupt somebody's conversation to tell them I'm leaving or or something like that. I'll get up and go to the bathroom and come back. And then by that time, like, it's like, it's easy to say, Hey, all right, I'm out of here. You know? Oh, that's so smart. I got to use a, that. That's a pro I always want to leave. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. When and if we start going back to parties again, um, yeah, I'm going I'm I'm to want to leave them. I'll keep that in the holster. Introverts unite or yes. don't. There you go. <laughs> yes. There you go. Um, I will also just give a little bit of props to my man, uh, Michael Kamen, who's our uh, composer for this movie, because this minute definitely has some more of sort of like the ominous bad things are going to happen score that we get in the cut that we've already had so far in some other parts of the movie. Like we can tell in this minute that 
we're talking about some dark, heavy stuff. I was just going to say, you bring up the music, and I, I can't think of other than the stuff that's played in the bars, you know, the the country songs or whatever. What do you think of the score in this movie so far? I think it's delightful. Yeah. I mean, I have more thoughts about that. What do you think, Mars? Oh, I have not been paying as much attention to the music as you have. Sorry, you go ahead. I mean, most of the, so to be fair, most of the movie is soundtrack. Most of the movie yeah. are actual songs, as you would expect at a country roadhouse. But, you know, there, there are some specific scenes, like I think the, the, the theme for Emmett's Farm, if you want to call it that, the theme that they play for Doc, there's sort of like a Doc love theme, which I think is very nice. The, the score that they play when you go inside uh, Red's Auto Parts after it's been trashed is like off-the-wall, crazy horror movie-type theme song. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're going to, we're definitely going to get some more really like intense music later on once we get to some of the like places where stuff blows up or when we start to get into the fight scenes. I think, I think he does a nice job. I was cool. just thinking about when you said the theme for Emmett's farm, how funny it would be to like cross pollinate a movie with some, some other movies, um, score and like put the theme for the Shire into that. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't that be delightful? Wow. (laughs) So you want to take this movie and rescore it with the Lord of the Rings. Wouldn't that be funny to just like have a movie that's all wonky like that? That would be fantastic, Marcy. I I think I commission you. That's going to be one of your summer projects. (laughs) I'm on to something now. (laughs) I also, now I want to recast the Lord of the Rings with the actors in this movie. <laughs> that is such a great idea. So tell you what, uh, since we're, since we're running, we've got running ahead of schedule tonight. Let's take, let's take at least a couple of the actors from Roadhouse and decide who they should play. So yeah, me, David, uh, who, who would you like Patrick Swayze to play in the Lord of the Rings? He's got to be Aragorn. Yeah. That's what I think too. So Aragorn, that's our Viggo Mortensen character marcy the the sort of the the guy who can handle a sword i think that makes yeah. sense uh i mean i think the trap too is like to just pick the person you think they look the most like yeah um so i'm trying to get away from that but i mean it's hard not to think that sam elliott is gandalf right um what about tinker as that troll dude tinker is the troll isn't there dude one that's kind of like a bigger trollish kind of character well there is a troll Oh. But I don't think that's Tinker. No, no. I see, I feel like Tinker maybe would be a good Sam. He could be Frodo's yeah, friend. Yeah. He could be the guy who would put Frodo over his shoulder and like carry him up to the top of Mount Doom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh oh gosh. What about Kelly Lynch? Who's <sighs> Kelly Lynch gonna play in this movie? Right. Smeagol. She's. <laughs> so Mar- Marcy, no. you, win. you win. No, no, you know, you just won the episode. You have you have cast Kelly Lynch as Gollum. Gollum, it's Fagal. I want to I want to imagine yeah. her with like the makeup and like doing whatever you need to do to her hair to make oh. her look like Gollum. Yeah, she's definitely. I mean, she's she's thin. Yeah. <laughs> she, she she seems like she perhaps has the the gymnastic prowess to like get in like that little hunched over crouch, crouch. maybe wow so you would All actually right. put the makeup on instead of doing mocap huh <laughs> well in this situation where we have sure. to find something this is a stage play we're doing by the way there, there you yes. go yes <laughs> 
Oh gosh, I don't know. So is the, is there anybody else we should put in particular roles? Uh, uh, what Kathleen... about Brad? What about Brad Wesley? What about Ben Gazzara? Who oh, does he he's get to Sarah, play? He's Sarah Man for sure. Oh, so that's the evil wizard, the white wizard. Do we oh, have the... Frodo yet? We don't. Oh man, who's Frodo? I feel like Frodo would be. Oh, hey, Pat hey. the bartender. No, no, Marcy. Yeah. Frodo's the hero. Pat is such a sleazy guy. Oh. No, no, you know, so Pat would have to play Wormtongue. That's that's mm. the yes. that's the slimy assistant to Saruman. I think I think for Frodo, I'm gonna pick Hank. Hank the bouncer. He's like he's like the guy that sort of seems like he's Dalton's protege. He's definitely okay. the the youngest oh. looking person. This is a little bit chubby. No, well, I think you're thinking of Jack the Bear. Oh, okay. And he would, I, I don't know who he should be. Oh, he could be Mary or Pippin. Yeah, there you go. And I want to, I, we don't have to do this for every single character in Roadhouse, um, but I, I do want to put in a bid for Mountain to play the Balrog. Sure. And then Still Carrie like. just looks like. Oh, yeah. Like, so, um, oh, Carrie Ann. Let's, let's, let's finish this bit with Carrie Ann, with Kathleen Wilhoit. Yeah, she looks like um, who's the Elvin Arwen? No, no, sorry. Oh, I, no. I, I, yeah, you're I, killing I, Arwen I cannot, like that. I cannot abide. So that's wrong, David. I don't know about you. <laughs> and since this might be your last minute with us, uh, we have not yet gotten gotten your take yet on Carrie Ann because she doesn't appear in these minutes. Hmm. Marcy and I are not on Team Carrie Ann. We're not a big fan. It sounds like you might have a little bit more esteem for Kathleen Wilhoit's performance in this movie than we do. Well, again, I haven't seen the whole thing, so I haven't seen her parts for a couple of months. So, but what from what I recall, yeah, she's not the greatest part of the movie. She kind of does the sort of white trash bartender part, okay? But yeah, I wouldn't be like, "Hey, we should not cast somebody else." So, given the fact that she has seemingly, I would say, limited range, I'm just going to yeah. be give her some. I think she's good at what she does, but it's yeah. a, it's a limited lane that she's in. I'm going to cast her in The Lord of the Rings as Eowyn, um, who is that – she's that human who falls in love with Aragorn, but right. just is not quite – and she's she's very persistent, and mm-hmm. he's very much not into her <laughs> in much the same way that Carrie Ann is sort of kind of into Dalton, and yeah. he's not having any of it. So I feel like if if we've got Dalton playing Aragorn, that's a good fit. She could just slide right into that, and they could just say, like, Kathleen, you're going to be Carrie Ann, but you're just going to be, like, surrounded by horses all the time. And and you can see the scene where she's killing the Witch King. I don't know. I'm not. (laughs) Yes. Maybe. Maybe. Carrie Ann loves to—she loves to fight. She's a scrapper. She loves to fight. She loves to be at fights. She would be all over that. All right. And uh, Marshall Teague, Jimmy, is going to be, um, I just had it in my head. He's a Boromir. Yes. He's he's looking for a fight. He's probably going to get in over his head and get killed. Yeah. All right. I like that. Shall we bring our Shall we bring our Lord of the Roadhouse to a close? <laughs> uh, I'm going to put that up on our in our Facebook group and see nice. what the rest of our throngs and throngs of listeners um, yeah. want to add to that. But that is a really that is a really good thought. Uh, I appreciate that. 
David, I'd love to hear from you, uh, since sadly this might be your last time with us. On our Friday shows, we like to just give our guests a chance. If there are any other parts of the movie that they want to highlight or call, call back to, either stuff we've already done or stuff that we're about to get to, you know, if, if you weren't on for this week of Roadhouse, what would be your other favorite parts of the movie that you can remember? The parts that stand out for me um, are definitely the fights. Uh, the, the big fight with Jimmy at the end is fun because, I mean, they just go, you know, hammering tongs in the mud there. The uh, scene at the, at the car dealership when they destroy the car dealership with the big truck. So I like I, – I used to be a big car guy. So I like the sequence where he comes to town, buys a beater, and then it gets trashed at the end of the night, but he pulls out the spare tires, you know, like that. I was like, okay, that's, he's very clever. I like this a lot. You know, an amusing piece of trivia about that. So the, the car that he buys in Jasper is a 1965 Buick Riviera. And what's funny about that is that is literally to the – to the to the model year, I think it's off by one model year. That's the same car that he's driving at the beginning of the movie when he's up in wherever it is that we think he is. Like that's the car. That's the car that he tosses to that guy sitting by the parking garage. Really? Yeah. He all, so all Dalton drives in his <laughs> fake cars is Buick Riviera. It's Buick Riviera. Well, I guess they they're they're old enough to be beaters and like easy to work on. And they isn't it the one that has the little clamshell cover over the headlights? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So, it's a good smart pick. They appear to be able to ro- to be able to roll no matter how much damage you do to them. Like you can throw yeah. a brick, you can throw a brick through your windshield, and yep. you don't even have to brake stride. Or change nice. your windshield. Or change your windshield, which is not going to happen. <laughs> no. <laughs> There's a great shot in. It was either right before, or right after this week is. Dalton's driving and, and Wade's looking through the hole in the window. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's he's not even looking through it. Like yeah. the scene is framed so that the hole perfectly surrounds Sam Elliott's yeah, yeah. face. And actually the so the director, Rowdy Harrington, has said on the commentary, like either I can't remember if he said that they discovered that and then decided, like, oh, this is fun. Why don't we shoot it this way? Or they specifically designed the hole with that <laughs> scene in mind. Either mm-hmm. way, that's fantastic. Yeah. Anything else in Roadhouse before you go? I mean, I could go on and on. I was just watching this movie six months ago. You just like every scene is fun. You know, of course, there's the scene with the rules. There's the scene where you're kicking everybody out. There's, you know, the scene with the knife in the boot. You know, just it's it's just just a fun movie. Yeah. I mean, that's what makes this. I think the reason why this movie has so much longevity and why it's supposedly one of the most popular movies of all time on cable TV is no matter when you turn this movie on, you know, in, in five minutes or less, you're going to get to something amazing. And then you're going to be sucked in for the rest of the movie. Yep. I was funny. when listening to your first episode. It's, it, it was amusing to me that neither of you had seen this until recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was not like some of our other listeners like either watched this in the theater or were watching it on cable when they were kids growing up. Yeah. Not the case. And and it could have been, you know, I was I would I was a little young to have watched this in the theater, but I certainly could have watched it on video or watched it in college. But no, I think I saw this movie for the first time less than 10 years ago. A lot of folks have also described watching it on HBO. And I as you know, Roger, I grew up without cable. Mm. And then like two 
stations at my house. So yeah, there were many things. I missed things, a lot of pop culture. <laughs> many things like cable and indoor plumbing that were I had indoor plumbing. <laughs> highlights of you growing up. Yeah. Yeah, that was the thing. I didn't. We had cable in high school, but we didn't have HBO or any of the premium channels. So once I got to college and we paid for that stuff, that's when I like was able to see this. And like, I remember Lethal Weapon Two was constantly on, and oh, such a good movie. A bunch of movies like that that are really you know part of my first year of college, just because mm-hmm. we suddenly had HBO. All part of the Joel Silver canon. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, we had. I know we had cable growing up, and I we had HBO off and on, not for my whole growing up, but because uh, I remember the thing I remember about HBO is watching Mike Tyson fights. Oh, whoa! Yeah, I, I watched I watched live the Michael uh, the Mike Tyson versus uh, Leon Spinks fight. Is that the um, which I don't know. No, 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 no. That's oh. that's uh, Evander Holyfield. That came much oh. later. I didn't watch that live. I don't know. Did you ever watch any of that stuff growing up, David? I know you've established that you're not a big sports guy, so maybe yeah. not. Yeah, but... my dad. Well, again, we didn't have HBO, but my dad would watch some boxing on on whatever channels we got, and he he watched football, sometimes baseball. But uh, yeah, I guess by the, by the time Tyson was becoming big, all the fights were on like either HBO or or pay per view or something. So I never yeah. really saw him fight. They hadn't gotten to pay-per-view yet, because honestly, I don't think yeah. pay-per-view was really a technology at that point. HBO mm-hmm. sort of had boxing on lockdown. And that right. fight, so that fight is famous. It's it's sort of famously notorious because there was this like several month long buildup to this fight and everybody was getting so excited about it. And it was literally over in 91 seconds. Oh man. Leon Spinks got himself knocked out a minute and a half into the first round. And so like we lit- I I think we had something like 15 people over to our house to watch this fight. And we're all sitting down. And if you got up to go to the bathroom because you were going to watch rounds 2 through 12, you missed right. it. Wow. That it does was sound over. familiar, yeah. And, and it's, that was you you mentioning that now I'm like I didn't even realize that Sphinx fought Tyson because it sounds like they would be just decades apart, you know, to me, Sphinx is an old fighter and Tyson's a new fighter, but I guess that was their overlap, huh? It was supposed to be a good fight. Yeah. It was billed well. (laughs) And then it's, it's been parodied since then. Like if, if you, if you see in pop culture, them making fun of a boxing fight for not lasting long enough, that's the joke. Mm -hmm. Well, before we go again, David, thank you so much uh, for, for coming on and and sharing a week with us and, and thank you for your enduring contribution to our podcast, making it great. Uh, every single episode when people load it up in their in their podcatchers. Uh, so before you go, can you remind us again uh, all the great places where we can listen and see you? Yeah. So um, Airplane Minute, Top Secret Minute, Office Space Minute, Upcoming Naked Gun Minute, and Sequel Harder. Uh, they all have their own uh, Facebook pages and Twitter handles. You can and Gmails. You can easily find those. Um, for me personally, um, my uh, Twitter is neozaz underscore Dave, and my website is andwhatnotfilms.com. So if anybody needs any uh, film or um, I actually I edit podcasts for people too. So if anyone needs that, I'm available. <laughs> well. You should give me a quote after this, because if the price is right, I'm happy to let you edit the rest of Roadhouse. Oh, Roger. (laughs) It's a labor of love. Sometimes it feels more like love. Sometimes it feels more like labor. You know what I'm talking about, David. 
No, I do. Th- those movies are great. So, Marcy, you've seen I, I I know you've seen all of those movies. Yeah. Um, do you remember Top Secret at all? No. Okay. Well, nobody does. <laughs> that's not true. Top Secret is great. No, I, so, Marcy, I will just I will just I'm only mentioning Top Secret because so Marcy and I have adopted certain things from movies as just sort of part of our vernacular. Marcy, Top Secret is the movie that the line and I'll miss you most of all chocolate mousse comes from. <gasps> From the very end of the movie, that's one of the things that Marcy and I sometimes do as sort of a cute little goodbye. I've Marcy. only adopted it because you said it to me a million times and when we first started dating, and I didn't know what you were talking about, but it was cute. <laughs> now you, and and now Marcy and I have the Roadhouse salute is what we do to each other, which looks that's Patrick Swayze salute in Roadhouse. When does he do that? Uh, twice he does it. Yeah. Uh, he does it. Let's see. He does it once in the Gets junkyard after tires. he's buying tires. And then the second time he does it is to Doc. Uh, when mm. after their first date, when he's standing there holding a stop sign, he gives her the Dalton salute. When okay. he's leaving um, the bar before they go to the diner, he does one of these. It's kind of like this. Oh, to the right, to the bartender or whatever. To the guy sweeping up. It's yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. It's not up here. It's more. Yeah. It's a, half, it's a half. It's a very it's a, unpro- a very unprofessional uh, Dalton. He's, he's yeah. getting tired. He's getting tired. He can't even get it up. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoops! Wow, I'm definitely leaving that in the podcast. <laughs> On that note, thank you once again for listening to another episode of Roadhouse Minute. Please, if you can, rate and review us on your favorite podcatching app. Come and join us on Facebook at the new Double Deuce. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at, R- at RH Minute. And you can email us at Dalton says be nice at gmail.com. So remember, until next time, be nice. Bye now. <laughs> Bye now. <laughs> <laughs>